Welcome, TG family. It is so good to be with you guys this Palm Sunday. If you're logging in for the first time, we are so grateful that you're here with us today. We're glad that you would take the time um, on this Sunday afternoon to just give God some time and to grow in your faith and to plug in with this community. I'm really grateful to be here with you guys. My name is Matthew, if you don't know who I am. Um, I'm one of those all around guys at TG and God has given me the privilege to serve here in this community and to be with some amazing people. Um, they know me as the famous box player. Um, and if you're on the worship team, you know what that means. But anyways, it is so good to be with you guys today. Um, I feel like the Lord has put a word on my heart and I pray that the next few minutes you would just lean into what God has to say to you today. Um, and whatever way, personal way, I would pray that the word would touch not just your heart, but would impact your life in a way that would put you on a course to continue to dig in deeper with God. I had one of those mornings today. It's a, a strange Sunday morning. It was a little bit of a difficult Sunday morning. My mom yesterday lost her phone, and that was just a mission in itself. Today, she woke me up at the crack of dawn to go get her a new phone. And if you know my mom, she uses her phone for her salon and her business. And so that was what it was. And she didn't know her Apple ID or know her Gmail. And so, you know, some of my pain and what that was. But I remember as we were getting her phone and it kind of propelled me to this message of, I feel like why God even allowed it. We were getting her phone and we were about to check out her phone. And she was talking to me about all the things that she lost on the old phone. As the checkup process happened, we started to talk with her about all the things that she was gonna get on this new phone. Told her about the camera that she was gonna be able to take pictures of her granddaughter with. Shout out to Mila and Michelle and Eddie, love you guys. I told her about the, the new processor that her phone wouldn't freeze and turn off at random times anymore. I told her that this new iPhone 11 would actually allow her to be a little bit more quicker at her job and receive phone calls and not feel like the phone call was muzzled because she would be getting a new speaker. And, and so I told her all these things. And as I told her what she was gaining, what she was losing started to, to fade away. And it wasn't even important anymore, the iPhone 7 that she used to love because she realized what she was gaining. All this to say to you guys today, Sometimes when we're joining um, God and following God, we might focus on what we're losing. We might focus on the things that maybe the relationships that we might be losing, the things that we used to do that we might be losing. But can I just remind you today, and for us who has been church for a while, can I remind you of the life that you're living with God, following Jesus? In fact, you are gaining everything. In fact, you're gaining the most prized thing. In fact, this life is a life that has upgraded you to experience real joy with no shame, real love with no guilt. And so I think that's important for us just to start this good news series, that this is the good news, that we are upgraded and alive to follow God, a life that we can experience his presence and his real joy and not just a moment of happiness. And so I just want to let you know, if there's anything in your life that you might have felt like you lost the season, maybe it was a friend as you started pursuing Jesus, nothing that you've lost is something that God knew that you needed. If God knew that you needed that thing, you would still have it. If God knew that you needed that relationship, you would still have it. If God knew that you needed that job, you would still have it. A lot of us have experienced loss, but what you have today as you're following God, and if you're on the sidelines saying, I don't even know if I'm following God or if I'm willing to follow God, I just wanna let you know that God has a plan to give you an abundant life and for you to experience him today. Before we jump in, I would just like to pray. Can we just take a moment for a second before we jump in today's word, just to pray and to ask God to speak to us. We heard some musical worship before um, by Paulo and, and God using him in such an amazing way. But I really believe that God is not looking just for a chord progression for us to sing to, but a word progressions for us to say. And can you just say something today that you're thankful for for God? You're on mute, you're on a Zoom call, so we won't hear you. But with your own words, can you just thank God as we pray 
for something particular. I really believe it's the breeding ground of God working in our life when we have a posture of gratitude and thankfulness. So I'm going to pray real quick and just sit here for a moment and just say, God, thank you. We can just speed through words and speed through a message. But Father, we are thankful for you. I was reading this week about Moses and he just said, God, I want to experience your glory. He didn't ask for anything else but you. I feel like we can just get so caught up asking for a good message, asking for a better life. Father, we just want to experience your glory. For money will be spent. Accounts can be closed. Relationships can be ended. But your presence will last forever. And so, Father, that is what we are looking for today. The glory of your life that even when Moses experienced you, he was different in the way that he looked, the way that he acted. Father, would we leave this few moments that we have together different? That those who signed on today, they would leave with a word from your heart and not just from mine. I pray that you would use this next few moments to speak directly and personally like only you can, Holy Spirit. And we just ask that you would show us your glory and show us your face in the next few moments we have together. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the TG family said, amen. So today is Palm Sunday. If you don't know what Palm Sunday, growing up, Palm Sunday, I was so confused about. I thought it was us having something to do with palms and like us throwing palms. So kids church, um, they explained it to me really well and they figured it out. So if you don't know what Palm Sunday is, it's okay. We will explain it today. We're going to jump into some scripture today. And I've just titled this message, Plans and Palms. If you're taking notes, that's the title of today's message, Plans and Palms. And I just want to discuss quickly for the next moments that I have, God's plan for our life. If you grew up in church, you heard that a lot. It might rustle some feathers. It might be something that you're like, man, that's just another thing that I heard. And I grew up listening to that message. I grew up in church, listening to God has a plan for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 in everybody's bathroom. And I grew up listening to that, but not understanding it. And I pray that as we dive into what God's plan is for our life, you would no longer be worried about it. You would be no longer have a non-answer. You would have an answer to it. And that you'll be able to walk into the fullness of what God's plan is for your life. And I feel like sometimes the reason why we miss God's plan for our life is because it looks a lot different than our plan, if we're honest. The reason why we might evade it or the, miss, the reason why we might not be on God's plan is because it just looks different from ours. I'll give you an example. Jesus had a plan that we would be his disciples, that we would pick up our cross and follow him. That was his plan. What we see in pop culture today is we settle for, I'll just wear a cross and I'll follow me. And I think that's, that's the thing that we think that just completing it and just wearing the cross, celebrating the cross, that we have done something. But the fact is the power of the cross comes in us, what we do after the acceptance of what Jesus did for us and following him. And, and the fact is that sometimes we think that God's plan has no suffering or no hardship. In fact, that God's plan actually guarantees hardship and guarantees suffering. Jesus said it like this, in this world, you will have trouble. See, God's plan will include that. And sometimes we like to write our movie script of our life without expecting any trouble. But God's plan doesn't just go through trouble, it uses trouble. You can write that down. That God will not just let you go through it for the sake of going through it, but he will use it as fuel for your purpose and to maybe comfort somebody and to use that in somebody else's life. God's plans never evade hardship, they go through them. It doesn't walk around suffering, it goes through it. 
And so I really believe that God's plan, and I wrote this down, God's plan is not a mystery in scripture. It may elude us because we've taken Bible verses like John, Jeremiah 29, 11 out of its intended context to framework a personal idea or human philosophy of God's plan that's not really supported by scripture, but it offers us illegitimate comfort in the place of eternal, eternal truth. And that's a mouthful. But I think what we understand by that is God's plan, although it not, might not be the most comfortable plan for us, we cannot try to set up the pillows of our life thinking that we are going to be able to know what's best for our life. God knows what's best. And so Jeremiah 29, 11, so I can give you some context, says like this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And that's a beautiful verse. And you can use that. But in its context, it's actually a verse about judgment. It's a verse that God was talking to the Israel people that they were about to experience 70 years of slavery. And that he was actually with this verse, Jeremiah, the prophet, was letting them know that they were going to experience this time of punishment. But God was giving them hope. He was letting them know, you will experience this punishment. You will experience this for 70 years. Some of you guys will die experience this because it's 70 years. But I want to give you hope for the future. And so there is hope in that verse. But we cannot framework that verse as if God is not planning anything. That God only has good things like that for us, like just comfortable things. God will use those things. And God did use that Jeremiah 29, 11, those 70 years of slavery to process Israel's heart, to follow him and to trust him. So I want to jump into today's scripture. I gave you that little brief intro because the good news is, although we might feel purposeless or disappointed, we can find hope that God always has and always had a plan. And I want to let you know that's the good news. If there's nothing else that you take from today, is that you would know that, that God always had and always has a plan for our life. And on this Palm Sunday, as we celebrate Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, it's this moment leading up to the cross, and it's this moment where Jesus is about to give his life in a few days. But he has this triumphal entry to Jerusalem on this donkey where they're celebrating him. People are laying down palms, Palm Sunday, palm branches. It says in some of the accounts in the gospel that they actually even let down their cloaks and so we're going to pick up in John 12. We're just going to read this story real quick. And I hope that um, we'll, we'll discuss some handles on what God's plan really is and how this plan is unfolding in this story, this plan of salvation to bring us back to him. So let's read John 12, 12. We'll pick it up there. And it'll be in the chat. So if you don't see the chat, find the chat. If you're on Facebook, it'll also be there. And you can follow along and just read with us. It says it like this. The next day... I'm reading in the ESV version. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is him who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples, verse 16, I want you to just look at this. John is the only one who includes this in his account. He says his disciples did not understand these things at first. They didn't understand. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called out Lazarus of the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went with him was that they heard he had done this sign. So the Pharisees said to another, you see, 
we are gaining nothing. The whole world has gone after him. I think that's powerful. The whole world has gone after him. And then you're taking this Sunday, and I pray that we would just be going after Jesus in this season. I don't know what's been going on in our life and what, what we may be experiencing, but I pray that we'd be going after Jesus. And can I be honest with you? I see three things about God's plan that we can just take away real quick. And I just want to give it to you. And I won't expound too much on it. But I feel like the first thing that we can see here as we read Palm Sunday is that God's plan will not fail or change by popular opinion. God's plan will not fail. Jesus is actually fulfilling prophecy that was, says, that was said 2,000, 3,000, bunch of thousands of years ago by the prophet Zechariah. He was actually completing a prophecy in Zechariah 9.9, fulfilling that. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, it says. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king is coming to you, righteous in victory, lowly riding on a donkey on a colt of the foal of a donkey. Isn't that powerful? That Jesus was completing something that was said way, way, way before him. It's like Isaac setting up a fund for his great, 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 great granddaughter and saying she's going to get married here on this date. Jesus was, and, and completing that, and that happening, Jesus was completing a prophecy showing us that God's plan will not fail, even though time may elapse. And, and I think that's important because we might feel like God's, our plans are failing, that we might feel like we had a failed marriage or a failed business venture or a failed idea, but you can trust in a God that has plans that will not fail. That no matter how we see it fit, and no matter how what we may do, God's plan will still complete what it was set out to do. And the other part of that is God's, God's plan will not change by popular opinion. Is there anyone on this call that likes conspiracy theories? Like that we didn't make it to the moon or, or, or like that the Twin Towers was actually something that happened because we caused it or Area 51 stormers. We have anybody like that on the call, real quick. If you just wanna raise your hand so I can see if your camera's on. Conspiracy theories where you are, I'm, I'll, I'll include myself. I am one of them that has paid too much attention to some of those articles. And some might be true. Some might be believing in conspiracy theories that Real Madrid is not better than Barcelona. Marlon tends to believe that, but we'll pray for him. But I think that some of us have to understand that this verse, there was a giant conspiracy that the Israel people were believing. The Jewish people were believing about Jesus. Here was the conspiracy. They thought that Jesus was coming to overthrow Rome. They thought that Jesus was coming as a political figure when he entered Jerusalem. In fact, when you would throw branches on the ground, let me help you out to give you some context. When that ceremony would happen in a parade, it was a sign that a king was coming home from victory. And so what they thought about Jesus and what the Jewish people thought about Jesus, hey, we finally have a savior that's going to get rid of Rome, get rid of the oppression and get rid of what we're experiencing right now. But here was that was the conspiracy, but here was the real plan. You see, because Jesus was not coming to overthrow a kingdom, he was coming to reveal a kingdom. And that's important for us to take. He wasn't coming to challenge Caesar and battle Caesar. He was actually coming to battle and uproot sin out of our life. He wasn't about national restoration of the Israel's people's pride in their nation. He was actually about a spiritual redemption of a nation and of a world. And so a lot of times, like I said in the beginning, our plans might look different, but Jesus always has a plan. And because of this conspiracy theory, a few days later, they found out that Jesus was not coming to overthrow Rome. And so they had a plan to kill him. You'll see the Pharisees at the end of that verse in verse 19, they get mad because everybody is following Jesus. But the same people that would be praising Jesus on Sunday would be shouting crucify him on Friday and would be laying his tomb 
on Saturday and would be not around when he resurrects on Sunday. Isn't that powerful for us to understand that his plans might look different, but they were best. Israel missed a moment. Maybe us, some of us are missing moments because our plans don't align with the plans of God. I pray that you wouldn't miss this moment this season as God is speaking to your heart this Easter season where he wants to not just enter Jerusalem, he wants to enter your heart. That's God's plan. First point two, God uses what we overlook to accomplish his plan. He will use what we overlook to accomplish his plan. As I read the scripture and as I, every time I read this, it's amazing to me that he uses a donkey. That he didn't come in a white stallion. He didn't come in decked out as a king might would come. But it says, like we've read in Zechariah, or I showed you in Zechariah 9.9, 9, it says that he came lowly, like a humble servant, riding on a donkey. And that just speaks to me that God can even use a donkey to fulfill his work. And it tells me that Jesus wasn't looking to be impressive. He was looking to be faithful. In a season with so many Instagram preachers, and we're all trying to look impressive in what we say. What if God is not calling you to be impressive and God is just calling you to be faithful? What if God is not calling you to have an impressive marriage? He's just calling you to be faithful in your marriage. What if God is not calling you just to have an impressive home with the white gates, but to finally build a home that has the presence of God inside of it? And I think that's so important for us because Jesus was letting us know his plan was going to use what we overlook. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says it like this. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is foolish in the world. 1 Corinthians 1, 7, 127. He chose what is foolish to shame the wise. God will choose things that we would otherwise overlook. He'll choose people that we would overlook. That guy's preaching? No, no, I knew his past. He, he was, Isaac, I was with him. Matt, I saw him in high school and what he was doing in high school. I saw him in middle school. No, 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 God can't use that person. No, no, Matt, you haven't even gone to uh, a seminar degree. You haven't even got the right credentials to preach. You see, God will use what we overlook because he will qualify those who are just available to him. He will use those who just say, God, I surrender to you. I don't have all the credentials. I don't have the resume for you. But God, you will use me. And I believe that in our life. God will use what we might overlook as ordinary service. Maybe you're just serving at TG and you're just doing something that's ordinary to you. Don't overlook that because God is using that to bring people to know him, posting a verse, taking a picture. God is going to use that, singing a worship song. Don't overlook those things because those are the things that God wants to use. Third thing, my lack of understanding does not hinder the unfolding of God's plan. Three things. My lack of understanding does not hinder the unfolding of God's plan. I love how it says in John's account, John 12, it says it like this, verse 16, his disciples did not understand these things. Even when I don't understand, God still has a plan. Even when the, the disciples didn't understand what Jesus was doing, didn't understand a lot of Jesus's life, they still decided to follow him. Can I just press you today? Can I just bring you to the point? where you don't have to understand to believe, you can just believe without that understanding. And I can prove that you do this every day. How many of you can tell me how the TV works? Nobody can tell me how, how we get images from this cable, this thin little cable, blows my mind. I'll spend hours just like, how does this happen? It blows up and there's a cable and then this file sky who's weird and smelly connects this thing. And like, how does that work? But we still turn on our TVs and we still watch some shows. 
because we don't even know understand how it works. We just know the results that it does work. And I want to let you know that you might not know how God might be working in your life, but he is faithful to show you that he has done and will do and continue to do all that he said that he will do in his word. I mean, I know or understand how it works, but I can still put my trust in him. I can still follow him because he's been faithful. He was faithful to die for me and he was faithful to resurrect for me. He's completed what he said he would do. And the work is finished. And I can trust in that finished work. I love that so much. I think that's so important for us. And I want to tell you today, because you might be like, all right, Matt, I got these points. I know that God's plan won't fail. I know that I shouldn't, God will never overlook um, some things in my life and he will use some things in my life and he'll use people and he'll use the minimal and those things. And, and also I understand that you said my lack of understanding won't un hinder the unfolding of his plan. That's why God says in Proverbs three, five, lean not on your own understanding, trust him, trust him. I got that all that. Okay, cool. I want to let you know what God's plan actually is so that you can answer somebody. What is God's plan of salvation that is this good news that we're celebrating this Easter season? I want to give you that three-fold plan of what his salvation plan is for us. I want to tell you what his plan is so that you can answer this, so that you would know this, so that you would apply this to your life. And his first plan is God's plan is justification. God's plan is justification. I know you're like, that's a lot. That's a, that's a big word. I don't even know what justification is. Let me help you. Justification is salvation from the penalty of sin. It is to be made righteous and right with God, not by my own doing, but by the sacrifice of Jesus. We all are sinners, the Bible says. We've all messed up. Everybody on this chat, everybody has something that they messed up and fallen short of the glory of God called sin. We are all sinners. And for Jesus to make it right once and for all, he paid the price of giving up his life. And in that giving up his life, he was paying the bill. I had a couple of friends yesterday take me out to go eat and they paid the bill. And it feels good when somebody pays the bill because you can just like swoop the wallet back in there. You still got to pretend, right? You still got to take out your wallet and like, and do something. And I did, right? Marlon, Sean, they know I, I took it out, but they, they, they paid that bill and it was a, and it was a, it was a, it was a pretty bill. So we know that God's blessing Marlon and Sean praying that he continues to do so, but Jesus paid the bill in our life. It says it like this, Romans 4.25. He was delivered over to death for my sin. Right there, you can say our sin, but I would say my sin, Matthew's sin, and was raised to life for Matthew's justification. Come on. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have been justified by believing in him, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the message. God's plan is justification. To free me, forgive me, from the penalty of sin. It's the work that God did for us. Second thing, that's God's plan. And you need to know this because you haven't just been redeemed from something. The cross didn't just buy your redemption or pay that bill. And I think it's important because a lot of times believers will just say that. We'll pray at the end of a service, give God our life. And that is important. That's probably the most pivotal point. But I need to know that you weren't just redeemed from something. You need to know that you were redeemed to something. Oftentimes we'll hear testimonies of people like, I used to be a drug dealer. I used to be this and that. And, and I used to have bottles and models and do all this stuff and they'll glorify their past, but where are they actually going to? Sometimes we tell our testimonies focused on where we were that we have no idea where we're going. And that's important from us. Jesus saved you from that life, saved you from the guilt and the shame. Amen. Hallelujah. But if you're not careful and you don't know where you're going to, you will stay there and eventually go nowhere. So I think the second plan of God's plan is 
God's plan is sanctification. How many know that when you gave your life to Jesus, not everything changed. Your eternal place in heaven is secured, but your mind still thinks about certain things that you shouldn't be thinking about. But your heart, your heart still desires things that you shouldn't be desiring. So God had a plan for that. It says like this in 2 Corinthians 3, 18. I'm reading out of the, out of the, the living translation here. But we Christians have no veil over our faces. We can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. And as the spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him. Highlight that more and more. Because more and more, when it says it in that end of that verse, speaks to me about a process. It's not going to happen in one day. Your mind and your thoughts aren't going to be changed in one instant. It is the spirit, it says, that's going to start to work within you. And that's so important because Jesus said, when I die, it's better that I go because I'm going to leave you something that's going to give you an advantage. Because up until now, you knew God that was for Israel. You knew Emmanuel, Jesus with us. But now you're going to have the Holy Spirit, which is God within you, that's going to help you change and help mold you into becoming like Christ. That's sanctification, becoming like Christ. But you can't become something that you're not in. You, for, for you to be like Christ, you have to be in Christ. And I think a lot of people miss that. We're trying to become like Christ, but we're not fellowshipping with Christ. We're not in union with Christ. And the Holy Spirit is a part of our life for us to fellowship in our word and to fellowship with the testimony of Jesus. And as he does that, our desires begin to change. I'll just tell you an example. I was watching this, this show that we were about to start because I'm always looking for a good show. If you got a good show, text me and send it to me. I started this show, it's called like The Maid's Tale or whatever on Hulu. And yeah, I don't pay for any accounts. I just borrow people's accounts. So if you if you bless my life with your account, thank you. I owe you that. <laughs> but I'll be honest. But there's this weird show. And as I started watching the show, something just wasn't right in my heart. And I told the person that I was that we were going to start watching with it, just don't even bother watching it. That's that process of the Holy Spirit saying, you know that it might not be sin, but it won't be good for you. It won't be beneficial to you. It'll pull you away from God. It'll pull you away from the path. And I think as people today, we need to understand that God didn't just save you to make you a servant. He saved you to make you a friend. Jesus, before he goes, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Servants just obey out of pure obedience. But when you're a friend, you obey because you want to please the friend. You want to please Jesus. So maybe you're just obeying in this season because it's sin and it's sin. But maybe that thing that you're watching doesn't even please God. And that would be the new standard. Not just God is this sin. God, does it please you? That's sanctification. Not just God, is this going to ruin our relationship? God, is this actually going to better our relationship? That's what God has been working with. Today I woke up in the morning. God said, you need to step up this thing in your life. Just woke up. Told me these words. Where, where is your treasure? No, but God, I'm saving up because I'm moving. God, you know I'm going somewhere. I need this. I need this. Where is your treasure, Matthew? sanctification. It's the process of God actually dealing with the sin that tries to reside in our life. Your salvation is in a moment, but your sanctification is in moments. And it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict, to correct, to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit, and to strengthen you to change. And that's important. For us to take away that it's the work that God does in us. The third thing is God's plan is glorification. 
We have justification, sanctification, a lot of Asians remember that. And we have glorification. This is a plan to just bring us home. And I wait for that day. Jesus, the ultimate Arnold Schwarzenegger comment, he says, I'm coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his church. And he's coming back for his people that have been justified, sanctified, and they will be glorified. Where we will be brought up, like Romans 8.21 says, it says like this, that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption. And it will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Creation itself will be set free. That's that first verse, 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth till now, 23. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Your body one day will be brought before God and changed in an instant in the twinkling of an eye, the Bible says, and we will be at home with God forever. And that's that threefold plan. So if you don't know what God's plan is for your life and somebody sits you at a coffee table, you'll be able to tell them this is God's plan. You might not have to use all the justifications and nations and glorifications, but you can just do this. God wants to save us one. God wants to change us two. And God wants us to be free with him and live forever with him and enjoy heaven with him. That's three. That's God's plan. And I just want to close with this. Because if you're like me, you're like, Matt, that's all good. That's great. Thank you for teaching us that for a moment. But I need to know what God wants me to do tomorrow because I'm struggling. Because I'm hurting. Because I'm aimless. I don't know what to do. This week, as some of you might know, I'm actually going to be moving away soon. And it's a bittersweet moment as I'm preaching to you guys. And I'm trying to take in as much as I am. So you might be seeing me looking to the left and the right because I don't want to forget this moment. But I feel as if some of us may be looking for the X, the Y, the Z to the plan of God. And what I realize with the plan of God is sometimes he won't give you the right turn or the left turn. He'll just give you the path. And let me encourage you that you might not know the plan of God for your life, but you will always know the path of God for your life. It says the Bible like this, Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David was writing the psalm saying, God, I don't know the plan that you have for my life. I failed you. I've messed up. I'm a king who sinned. But God, I may not know the plan, but I know the path. And that's the hope that we have, that he teaches us in scriptures, that we might not know the whole outlook, the whole destination, but that we can trust him. And I know that's difficult because if you're like me, when I turn on the GPS to go somewhere, if I'm going to Philly, I want to make sure that I open up the, the route options section. And I look at, well, where is this turn going to be? What highway am I taking? What am I going to do? In, in my short time, as I'm packing and figuring things out, I realize that I might want a dog while I'm there. And so it's random. So I've been doing research and I probably won't get one because I got to make sure that I can keep myself alive for a month before I try to get a dog. But I started doing research on the behavior things of dogs, like those weird spiral researches that you do. And I realized that if you're not walking ahead of your dog when you walk it, you're actually creating behavioral issues within that puppy or that dog, where now it feels like the leader, 
where now it actually feels like it's the pack leader. So the right way I heard of walking your dog is that you would walk, it would walk next to you or you would walk in front of it, but it would never walk in front of you. And, and as I looked at that, I started laughing as I was preparing this because there's been seasons in our lives, if we're honest, that we've been trying to lead God from the front. And if with a puppy, it creates a bunch of issues in their behavior. It creates a, a lot of complexes and they become insecure in their owners and in their home. It creates that they become dominant and aggressive to the people around them. I wonder how much of a Christian that tries to lead God from the front, realizing that God's not even there because you can never lead God. But in the fact is we've made it in our minds that we can try to lead God on our own plans and our own things. And what it's really creating in us is more insecurity, creating more aggression, creating more anxiety when we try to lead God from the front. And God is just saying, I don't need you to guide. I need you just to commit. I need you to guide me on the plan. I need you to commit to the path. There's a path for your singleness. There's a path for honoring your parents and being a good son. There's a path for forgiving the person that she hurt you. There's a path to that forgiveness. Sometimes you might not know how the plan might unfold, how the relationship might fix itself. But you can find the path of forgiveness. And Jesus will always point you to the path. He said it like this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the path. I am the one that you can take. And so when you can't find the plan, let me encourage you. Just follow the, the path. And as I'm moving, I might not, not know the whole plan. I might not know where I'm going to be in 10 years and five years. But I promise you I know this. I know the path. I know the path that Jesus called me to. More than being a preacher, he just called me to be a son. More than just being a speaker, he called me to be a disciple. That is something that I'm willing to commit to as God unfolds his plan in my life. And things have been spoken over my life. You're going to be this and you're going to be that. And you're going to do this for the kingdom. But God has called me to the path. And I feel like Abraham and so many people can identify with that in the Bible. When you look at the story of the walls of Jericho. Do you remember that? They were seven times walking around the same thing. They didn't know the plan that God was doing with these walls, but they knew the path. They knew to take another step. They knew to, to take another walk. They knew to take another round around the walls of Jericho like God told them to do. They knew the path and they committed to the path. And it might look so like this in our season where we're just opening up the computer and joining Zoom and doing these things like, it's just another time that I'm opening up Zoom. It's another Sunday. It's another Wednesday. It might look similar to you, but you don't understand that the plan of God is unfolding in your life. Do not forsake the ordinary. Do not forsake the similar because God is about to do a work in your life and it's progressive and it's slow, but it's beautiful. Just take another step. Watch the walls of, your, of, of the sin, of the shame come down. Take another step and follow God. I can think about Abraham when he's about to sacrifice his son Isaac. And you may not know these stories, but I would encourage you to read your word and get into it because they're stories that speak to us as Isaac was his son, his beloved son. And God called him to trust him and giving up what he loved. And Abraham said, I may not know the plan, but I know that you've asked me this, God, and I will do it because it's the path that you want me to take. He didn't end up killing Isaac. He didn't end up killing his son because God stopped him in the middle of the path. Oftentimes, God will stop us in the middle of the path. That's why we have to be connected to him. Because the plan has the path in it. And we just need to know the path. And the path is Jesus. The path is his hope. The path is discovering. And I want to close with this. 
The plan is this, that we would just get to know him and that we would walk and discover him. The path is where we discover him. Not the conspiracy of who Jesus is. Like on Palm Sunday, they had a conspiracy of who Jesus was. But the path is where we know the real Jesus, that Jesus came to save us, came to change us. He came to do a work in us. And I believe that today, wherever you're at on Zoom, I believe that Jesus wants to enter your heart and your life. I don't know what Jesus they presented it to you before. I don't know what kind of religious Jesus they might have said that you have to do this, this, and that before you can accept Jesus. Jesus just wants your submission in your heart. And just to say, Jesus, I surrender. If that's you today, and you're saying, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. I want to give you my heart because I want to join your path. I may not know the plan for my life, and it might be something that brings me anxiety, but I want to walk on the path. I want to get back on your narrow path, and I want to start walking with you. If that's you today, and you say, I want to walk with Jesus. I want to walk with you, God. Maybe you've fallen off the path. Maybe your journey this season during COVID has You've been through regret and regret and doing the wrong things that, you know, God is not pleased with and not happy with. Today's a day that you can get back on the path. Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you've been doing other things. I don't know what it is, but there's a twofold thing. Join the path or get back on the path. And I love that God is the God of both. And nobody, and I'll end with this, nobody talks about the walk back that Peter had to the boat when he drowned. Nobody talks about that. Everybody talks about the moment that Peter drowned when he was on the waters walking with Jesus. But can you imagine what happened when he got up and Jesus picked him up in that moment of doubt and shame? And as Jesus walks him back to the boat, he had the faith to walk back, to get back into what Jesus called him to do. Maybe that's what Jesus is calling you to do, to get back in the boat today, to start walking with him. It doesn't matter how you've fallen, how you've been hurt, what's going on. I want to pray with you this prayer. If that's you, I just ask that we would all close our eyes this moment that's you, I'll just ask you to repeat this prayer with me. Jesus, I want to get back on the path. I want to give you my life. If that's you on the Zoom call, just bow your head, close your eyes, and say this prayer with me with your heart. It's not the words, it's your belief in it. Say, Lord, today I give you my life. I give you everything that I am, and I surrender for you to lead me and to guide me. I know that I have committed sins, but I pray that you would forgive me and that today my life would be forever changed as I decide to follow you and to walk on your path with you. I love you and I need you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I believe that today is a new day. I believe today is a new beginning for your life. I believe that, yes, the old things have passed, and here you can walk into some new things in your life. And we have some next steps at the church. We have a new believers class that you can join with Pastor Isaac. But if that's you who's been at TG for a while, and you're a veteran like some of us over here, and you pray that prayer from the depths of your heart, or you're praying another prayer in a few moments because you know that it's time to get back on the path, and it's time to stop making those excuses that we always make, I pray that you would just be prayerful after this season, and that the season leading up to Easter, it wouldn't just be another celebration. It wouldn't just be about some eggs. It would be about Jesus really being a part of your life. He died, but he resurrected. And that is our hope, that the power of resurrection that worked in Jesus on Sunday is still available to us today. And we can pray believing in him and trusting in him.